Sports is no longer just about the game itself. To be a success and to find fulfillment in the game, it takes more. The mental, relational, and cultural component has become more of a focus. No longer is talent enough. An athlete has to be trained in a holistic manner to reach their potential. Training the Complete Athlete provides a wide variety of interviews and informational podcasts for coaches, parents, and athletes to gain insight to reach a higher level of performance. So I'm excited to welcome Amy Dame smith to the program today. Uh, she and I actually work together at Concordia University, and she was the lucky one to take over all of the compliance and regulations off my plate, which I was more than happy uh, to give it to. So for those that don't really understand the compliance uh, world, it is all the grades and rules and regulations that the NCA gives to uh, an athletic department to make sure that they're staying on track, following guidelines, and, and getting their athletes to graduate. But now she's at U of P, uh, which is actually where she played uh, collegiate tennis at. So she got to come back home. And she's now the assistant director for academics and student athlete development. And we are going to talk about the side of being a student athlete that nobody really talks about. They are student athletes, right? So dealing with, we both have kids same age. They haven't gotten to the point of grades count, I guess. But it's so important as you get into high school, you build good habits and you really put a focus on academics. So things transition easier if you go onto the world of college or college athletics. So, Amy, I really appreciate your time. I know that you are, as I say, super busy since school never waits for anybody, even for a virus. So I really appreciate your time talking to us about this topic this afternoon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So one of the things that I talk to clients about, or pretty much anybody that will listen to me, is the value of getting good grades. And sometimes I get the looks of like, it doesn't really matter, or C's are going to get it done. And then I have other athletes that it's just as important as performance. So talk to me about the value of good performance in the classroom. Yeah, sure. Um, I do think it's there is a value to getting good grades. I mean, it's just, it's similar to the time and effort and discipline that you put into getting better at your sport. Um, if you're able to apply that time, effort and discipline in the classroom, I think that that also um, can pay off in terms of confidence, in terms of, you know, it's just not what, what it can get you in your sport, but um, it improves your chances of landing at a school of your choice. Uh, I think it also communicates to coaches and the, the college recruiting process that you're not just competitive on the sport field, whatever your, your venue is, but also competitive in the classroom. Um, and so it's really just, you know, gaining confidence, um, refining those, those skills to be disciplined, um, not just with your sport, but also um, with with what you're learning and hopefully you know that that helps you not just get into college and find the school of your choice but later on too in life and amy you coach collegiate sports as well so you know what it is to recruit student athletes so when you're going out and looking for an athlete that matches your program what do their grades say about them or what are were your concerns when you were recruiting kids when you saw their academic scores yeah, um, so I coached for 10 years at Linfield College, uh, D3, um, and coached women's tennis. Um, and I think, you know, typically it, a, a lot depends on the sport. So in tennis, you are getting some of those high academic kids. Uh, so I, I didn't necessarily run into um, those issues as much, but um, I, I would say that it just completes the picture for the coach. if 
Um, you know, you see what they can do on the court. And then uh, when you match their academics up, it's like, okay, there's not going to be any admissions issues here. I know that they're going to remain eligible. I know that, you know, this isn't going to be one of those things that we're having to work through, um, you know, uh, when they, when they do get into college. Well, and one of the other components, um, even through high school, you still have to stay eligible. Uh, when I coached high school for a short time, uh, I was always surprised when I'd get a list and kids weren't eligible because I never thought about that in high school, but you still have to meet requirements for high school. And the other thing is, is all schools do not give full rides. So having good academics can lead to an academic scholarship. So that gives you um, other money to match maybe athletic or like with Linfield, they don't give athletic money, but they can give academic. So I know for me, I would always think, okay, kid with good grades, that will get an academic scholarship that I can match with the softball one. And that could be really important as well. Yeah. And I think that's a really great point Um, with academics. It's just it opens more doors um, than than not. Um, and so it does it, being able to have that working for you um, definitely, definitely helps uh, in the recruiting process. So we've been talking about grades, but then there's the fun of test scores, which I know right now, uh, SATs and ACTs are not in play. At least they weren't last year because of, of COVID, but most likely in the future, ACTs and SATs will come back into play. What relevance is to score well on those um, tests and how do they impact eligibility or even getting scholarships or into school or getting into school? Um, Yeah, I mean, the SAT and ACT is has traditionally been part of I should say SAT or ACT has traditionally been part of initial eligibility with the NCAA Um, right now because of the pandemic and just all sorts of things going on. Um, I think we're seeing a move away from that being a major factor. Um, I think there were some allowances made for NCAA eligibility this year because of testing sites not being able to operate and whatnot. Um, You are seeing more colleges making those tests optional for admission, uh, but I think it's important for uh, prospective student athletes to know that it's still currently part of the initial eligibility process. And so um, kind of like we were talking about with, you know, if you're able to be disciplined and, and get decent grades, um, it's the same thing with SAT, ACT. Like if you can get a decent score um, on either one of those exams, it, it, again, it'll just open up more um, options to you in the recruiting process. It's not going to be one of those things that you have to shy away from in, in conversations with, with coaches. Um, but I do think it, it will be interesting to see how it plays out uh, in a post-pandemic world. And um, I know that colleges are, are kind of reconsidering how, how important that is to the process. So it'll be interesting to see how the NCAA treats that as well. But for now, it's still still on the table. So uh, you have to take it into account. So if a school requires a, a test score, can schools require something different, like a higher uh, test score than maybe it is to be eligible? So if uh, I wanted to get into like, you know, I don't know. Syracuse and they require, can they require something higher than just basic eligibility? I'm sure they can. I don't, I mean, I don't work as much on like with admission stuff, but I'm sure they could like it just, there are certain requirements that they're, 
they're looking for, they may not always be totally upfront about exactly what the score is that you need, but they should be able to give you a ballpark and talk to you about last year's incoming class. And yeah, it could definitely, the NCAA benchmarks aren't, I mean, they're, they're reasonable, but they aren't, you know, super high. So, you know, always important to try to aim beyond what the end, like that low threshold the NCAA requires. So it can be crucial for a student athlete to look at the requirements for the school, not just eligibility, because you could be looking at a school that academically is requiring maybe something different than just basic eligibility for the NCAA or NAIA. Exactly. Yeah. And that's something that would come up a lot of times uh, when I was at Concordia, a lot of, you know, student athletes may think, hey, I got admitted to this university, so I'm eligible. Not always the case. Admission and eligibility are two separate two separate criteria. So what are some of the keys uh, for student athletes to do well in school? You know, they're balancing different schedules. They lack sleep half the time. So what are things that they can do to make school a little bit easier or to really kind of kick in their academic performance? Yeah, I mean, it's... I definitely see it working in Division One. Um, the and University of Portland is an academically rigorous school. Um, the student athletes there are they have they just have to be so dialed in with their time management. Um, a lot of times there are not many breaks in the day. Uh, so really being being able to use like one of the tools that we use is a semester calendar, like really when we're on campus and in season, uh, being able to know when you're going to be on the road and, you know, which when you're going to be missing exams. And um, so really being able to be planned out, um, not just for that day, but for weeks at a time so that you know what's coming up. And then also um, the other huge piece is communication, um, communication with professors um, and, you know, not shying away from, from having those conversations, going to office hours. Um, so really it's like time management, communication. And then also it's really tough, but uh, at least in the division one world, but finding time to de-stress, finding time to be with friends or family um, so that, you know, the, the pace doesn't just run you ragged. Um, so those are some of the things that we focus on in our conversations with student athletes. Well, and it's interesting when you talk to a student athlete about, did you talk to your professor? Do they know that you're a student athlete? And they always say, no, I haven't talked to them or I don't want to ask for help. And I always try to communicate with them. They're just like having an assistant coach or a head coach. They're there to help you improve and get better. That's what they're there for. And you know, they probably athletes wouldn't shy away from using their trainer or their weight weight coach. It's the same thing, and you need to be doing well in academics so you can go and perform, right? Yeah, um, that's what always surprised me. I'm like, okay, you're in a you're in a school, you're paying tuition, use the resources that you have. But that that was more rare than than uh, typical, I think, with working with a lot of student athletes. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think at the heart of it too, ninety nine percent of faculty want they like like their students and they want to talk with them. And, and so the sooner that wall can be, or like barrier between, or perceived barrier between student and professor can be broken down the better. Yeah. Any class I taught, I loved it when students would come talk to me. I wanted to know what was going on. Otherwise being a professor would be pretty boring if you had no real engagement with your students, right? Exactly. So, so how can academics impact your ability to play? 
The the first thing that comes to my mind is eligibility. So it's student athlete. Student is the first part of the equation there. Um, and you know, one of the things I'll meet with recruits from time to time um, in my role at at UP and. Um, one of the things I do share with them is it's not just like getting through the NCAA eligibility center and then you're good to go. Um, you're also having to maintain your eligibility throughout um, your four years as a student athlete or possibly five years. Um, and so that's one of the main impacts. Um, and then of course, like don't forget why you're getting that degree um, yes, it's to compete in your sport and do something you love, but, you know, hopefully that's going to start setting you up for the future and um, you're able to find a major, you know, something that you're you're really excited about or semi excited about um, that keeps you going to class and then eventually leads you to a career down the road. Yeah, sometimes uh, we get forgetful about the less fun side of being in college because most of us don't go, oh, yay, the academics. We all <laughs> were focused on the getting to play sports part of it. And one of the other things that uh, that I really didn't think about until I decided to go to grad school is my GPA in my undergrad is going to impact grad school. Mm -hmm. So yeah. even if I didn't think I was going to go to grad school, which I said I'm never, um, I did go back later on. So I'm glad that I took care of business. And you see that a lot when people are like, oh, you know what, second job or whatever, they go back to school, that those grades that you get in your undergrad when you're in your 20s do matter for, for your future. So that is also an important piece of the puzzle. So that maybe that's a little bit more kick in the pants for when it comes to taking care of business in, in the academic world. Um, so in, in the college athletics, and this is one of the harder pieces, is building your resume outside of just being an athlete. It, it gets very difficult. So what are things that athletes can do to build a resume other than saying they went to college and building and they were an athlete? Because when you go into the uh, job force, that's really important to have something on your resume. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would look for, so this is in college uh, where they're mm -hmm. looking for these opportunities. Or even in high school to, you know, make the move and jump in to get into colleges. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of high school, it's just like, what are you interested in? And uh, what is what is your family doing? Uh, what are your friends doing? And, you know, uh, kind of let that lead the way, whether it's getting involved in church or, um, or community service, uh, you know, uh, maybe there's a club or organization through your school that's like easy um, because your time is probably stretched, but, you know, something that is going to um, kind of be easy for you to get involved in, but also something that you're passionate about. Um, and then in terms of college, uh, one of the things I work with student athlete advisory committee, which is like a leadership group that all NCAA schools have. And that's like a ready-made you know, it's your people. It, every every team has a representative um, or two or three, and so that's something that you can immediately plug into right away. But then, in terms of like just things within your major, um, a lot of a lot of colleges will require internships. Um, I would also say utilize your campus resources, things like the Career Center, um, your uh, Oh gosh, what else do they do? Uh, like campus ministry, different things like that. Um, so really 
trying to find ways to get outside of your athletics bubble. It takes a little bit more effort, but even if you're staying in the athletics bubble, there are things that you can tap into like student athlete advisory committee or certain things that your department might be putting together. Um, you know, I think getting involved with those right from the get go, even your as a freshman, um, is it a good way to, to get plugged in and, and stuff outside of practice? So with building up your resume and taking part in different activities, it can really lead to networking. And I always said that being a student athlete is one of the best ways to network. Uh, people joke with me all the time that I know all these people from really random situations. And I go, well, when you're a coach or in higher ed, you just meet a lot of people, right? And I still am connected to alumni that are now, you know, that have been out of school for almost 10 years, 20, you know, 15 years. So what are ways that um, student athletes can make connections that can help lead into the into internships, maybe postgraduate or going into the workforce uh, after graduation? Yeah, um, I think, well, one of those ways that networking starts is within your team. Um, funny enough, my current coach that I play, or my current coach, my uh, college coach that I played for at University of Portland is still there. Um, and so now she and I are, are coworkers, which is kind of cool. Um, and then, so, you know, just like those team connections is a start of your, your kind of personal and professional network. Uh, but then, like I was saying, the, uh, relationships that you build with your professors, um, I think those are highly valuable in terms of letters of recommendation, uh, whether that's for a, a uh, future job or graduate school. Um, professors typically love that kind of stuff and, and like mentoring. Um, and then um, I think also just like those fellow students that aren't student athletes, um, getting to know some of them as best you can. Um, I think that's, that's also huge. Um, and then also realizing that the relationship with your college will extend beyond your time there. Uh, you know, typically you're going to have, you know, hopefully a, a good experience where you'll want to go back to that school. Um, and I mean, I'm kind of the exception where I'm working at my al alma mater. Uh, so clearly I had a great experience there, but um, it, it definitely can extend beyond that through alumni networks and, and different alumni functions. Um, so it really is kind of the start of your uh, your network and, and that uh, support that, that you'll need professionally later in life. Absolutely. That's the thing is, is I always say that being a student athlete, it's almost like we get a head start in the networking world. Uh, we kind of walk into a group of um, family and friends right when we walk onto campus. And one of the other things I would suggest, um, even if you're at a bigger school, is get to know other people within the department. Get to know other coaches, get to know other um, staff members, especially if you're interested in something in athletics. Uh, like I say, I, I actually met with uh, one of our, a former Concordia athlete. He was a men's basketball player, and I'm already counting the days until he gets his, into his internship because he's mine if he likes it or not. Um but, you know, he wasn't even my athlete, but now that connection is set and he's been out of school for three or four years. Um, so those that's why it's important to reach outside of even your circle to go meet people that um, could be a, a good mentorship and a good referral down the road. That's it's very important uh, for life after sport. So what would you give what advice would you give to both high school and college students 
to do, you know, to make the most of their academic career. You know, lots of times it's just drudgery, get past it. But mm-hmm. if you could say this is the the these are some tools to make the best out of that time, what would you say? Yeah. Um, so I would say really be, you know, I know when I was in college, like I was laser focused on my sport, trying to get better at it, seeing the best, you know, trying to be the best that I could possibly be as a as a tennis player. Um, and then I didn't really give much thought to my major. I was I majored in education, was a high school teacher for two years right out of college, which was fine. It was good, but it wasn't where my passion was. And so I would really just ask a lot of questions of yourself um, when you're choosing a major. If you have an academic advisor, like, you know, chat with them. Um, but what is it that really clicks with you? And um, not just kind of skim over things. I think a lot of times that happens because you're just not familiar with all of the options. I never thought I would have would be working in college athletics, but I'm so passionate about it and um, love just the community. Um, and so I think really just kind of ex- like opening yourself up to what are the options here and trying to find have those conversations with people um, and not always look for the totally easy route of, um, you know, like, oh, so-and-so does this, I guess I'll, I'll do it too. But really like what clicks with you, um, I think is, is key. And then, um, I think that you asked about tools. Um, I think that will definitely serve you well later, uh, whenever you're questioning, is this the right place for me? Like have that, take that time to reflect and, um, again, ask yourself, like passions are going to change, things are going to change and that's okay. That's all part of it. Like not everyone ends up with their plan A. I think that's like just kind of a myth. Um, so really being, you know, kind of reflective throughout the process and, and figuring out what, what is clicking for you. Yeah. I mean, when you leave high school, you think there's like 10 jobs in the world mm-hmm. and there's yeah. so many. Uh, and I think college is a good way to expose that. One of the things I always ask people, even now, because I'm always fascinated what people do for a living. And I also am always like, oh, I wonder if we could be in connection somehow. That's just kind of how my brain works. But there's so many jobs out there that we wouldn't even think about. And so mm-hmm. asking those questions, getting to know uh, people and say, what do you do for a living? People love to talk about their job too. And so I always talk about like, go and interview somebody that is in a job you might be interested in. I, I wanted to go to school to be an architect and I spent a summer in an architect's office. I'm not an architect, right? <laughs> I was like, wow, this is not just sitting around drawing buildings. Like this is not necessarily a fit for me. So it's good to really know what those jobs look like and even jobs that you would have never thought of. It can be really important. You know, one of the things also with the academics that I say is focus on learning as much as you can instead of the end grade. Cause usually Mm -hmm. if you're learning as much as you can, the end grade takes care of itself, especially for all the students out there that academics is such a pressure point instead of, you know, a second thought. Um, Because I know from my undergrad, I was like, just get the grade. And Mm -hmm. when I went to grad school, I cared about actually learning and, you know, being able to do my job better. (laughs) Um, But I think there is so much academic stress and pressure uh, Mm -hmm. in high school and in college to always being achieving instead of what am I getting out of the experience of being in class? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's such a good point. 
So Amy, uh, we'll return you to the land of Zoom and hopefully your student athletes will be able to return. I know student athletes are chomping at the bit to get into real person. They probably will never say I'm so excited to sit in a classroom ever again after this point in time. <laughs> but, you know, we'll just keep our fingers crossed that the spring season will come about and everybody will get to return uh, to play and get back into a classroom. And I really appreciate your time and your insight into helping student athletes make the best out of their academics, because that is such a crucial part that really go gets overlooked. And it's always great to have somebody that has that inside scoop to help our listeners. So I really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me and love what you're doing here. Check out Train the Complete Athlete anywhere you can find podcasts or go to the website at www.trainingthecompleteathlete.com.